Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 444 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm doing good. I hope you didn't hear me scratching my beard in the, into the microphone. Oh, no, I would never hear that, because I I imagine your beard is very soft from all the conditioning that you do to it. Yes. You know, I see people talk about beard oils and beard conditioners. Oh. My beard conditioner is ivory soap. Uh, my beard conditioner is the hair conditioner that I use for my long flowing mane. Yes. I, I, I'm at the Kevin Nash school of, uh, hair care where you have to only wash your hair every third day and you have to change your shampoo every time. Like you can't use the same shampoo two times in a row. You know what I mean? Like not two washings, but like when one bottle runs out, get a different type of shampoo. Ah, see, I figured he would just use the same shampoo over and over and over again, like his five moves. How dare you? There's like at least six. All right. As long as the framing of the picture is in it, that's all I care about. Well, now we're up to seven. Oh, boy. Anyway, Todd. Yes. What do we got to talk about on the show this week? Um, uh, a certain company adds a whole bunch of books to their digital site. Hey, um, all right. Yes, certain, you know, as we're always talking about uh, Omnibuy and books and, and collections and everything, and whether or not a certain book gets pushed back, who's right, who's wrong, me or Joe? Ugh. Well, we could default to me, but in this specific <laughs> instance, I'm interested to see which one of us is right. There you go. Um, we have con news, free digital books and sales. What we read from last week with Dial H for Hero number one and Detective 1000. Those are two way different numbers for a comic. <laughs> uh, what we're looking forward to this week, um, a few art attacks. And at the end, there was no flash, but you know what came back, Joe? Oh, boy. That's right. It's Wig O'Clock, Legends of Tomorrow. When well we'll 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 discuss Legends of Tomorrow when we get to Legends of Tomorrow. There's a bunch of things there as you went through the lineup of the show. I'm like, oh, I have a remark. I got to save for later. I got a remark. Hopefully, I remember them all. Write them down because I was worried I was going to blow through them. Like as I was doing that perfect intro, I didn't want to trip you up, Joe. All right. That well, thank you very much. For You're that. welcome. So, uh, as you had mentioned, reading through things, uh, we talked before about digital comics, and we've talked much about the DC Universe subscription service with all the old shows and all the original shows that are on there, whether it be the Titans show, the Young Justice cartoon, uh, the Doom Patrol show, which sadly I have not seen any of these things, uh, but also part of your subscription with that is you get a whole bunch of digital comics, a little bit similar to like Marvel's separate subscription service where you pay for the month and all you get is the digital books, but you get a ton of digital books. Well, obviously DC is new to this. And I guess at WonderCon uh, this past weekend, they had said that their plan is to have everything on there. That's right, their whole digital library that they have, that you could buy digitally, I guess. Right. So I guess um, where, you know, whether you go through the Comixology side or you go through DC's separate, 
like Comixology front page. I don't think there's a huge difference of what appears where, but apparently the plan is if it exists digitally there, it will exist digitally as part of DC Universe. Right, and then I think they want to add like old stuff too that they, you know what I mean? They want to get whatever they can on there. The only difference I heard was that they will not have new, it'll be a year before current books show up on there. Right, and that's the, that's the big difference between Marvel and DC's. I think Marvel is six months where DC said it's going to be a year. Which I guess, you know, works. I mean, if you're not Mr. Cutting Edge, have to read my comics this week, that's not a bad deal. You get TV shows and you get new comics too, you know? Right, and separately uh, part of this, but not really, I guess they announced an official start date for the Swamp Thing show? Yes, the end of May, I believe, which is the one thing that could maybe get me to get this streaming service. Right, we don't talk too, too much about the TV and movie stuff unless it's like some sort of huge, huge announcement, but we're talking about the DC Universe thing, so I figure we'll see. Things have been... Do you have... Things have been too busy. I don't have it right at my fingertips. No, but do you have uh, do you have any plans to try and watch the uh, Schwamp thing one? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. I know we had postulated here. It's like, oh, is it going to get made? I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. But here it is. They're announcing a date for it. It's it's going to happen. Right. And it's not just a pilot. I guess it's the series like all the other ones, you know? That's pretty crazy. I guess, you know, based on the success of all the other stuff. And they don't want to, you know, they got to have stuff to fulfill. You can't announce stuff and then not, you know, have a show out. I think that would hurt their streaming. If they didn't have a new show to replace the show that was ending, as in, like, you know, that season, like, Titans ends, and then shortly after you have Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol looks like it's going to end, and shortly after that you're going to have Swamp Thing. And I, and there you have the cartoons and stuff. I, that would that, to me that would hurt the, the streaming service because who's going to want to not to be paying for not new stuff if that makes any sense? Right. So the schedule as it stands is they okay. So uh, Swamp Thing is May thirty first, uh, which is a week after Doom Patrol. So I guess their plan is to kind of keep having something new on a cycle there. Right. Uh, the second part of Young Justice Outsiders is July 2nd. The second season of Titans is in the fall, and the Harley Quinn animated series is late fall, whatever that means. Uh, first season of Krypton is currently is going to be on there by the end of this week. And hey, check that out. Krypton was really good. No date announcement of when season two of Krypton starts, where they did say the next thing that they're working on is going to be a Stargirl TV show. Right, and I saw the stills, the one still with the, her and the star girl, the actress in the star girl outfit, and then they it looks like they had a robot uh, stripe in the background. Absolutely, right. But now sci-fi still has the rights to run Krypton season two first, though. I right, right. That's right. I was just saying it's like, oh well, they're announcing that Krypton season one is going to be here. Maybe it's like, well, in conjunction with the debut somewhere else, you know. Right. It makes me hot wonder how long before the WB shows maybe get over there. Like, do they have a do they have a contract with Netflix? You know what I mean? Like, the, the WB shows run till you know 2022 or whatever. Uh, but I do have a feeling like we'll see Flash and Black Lightning and Supergirl and Arrow and everything over there at some point. Right. And you know we've talked before where it seems as though once the seasons of the CW shows end, they're on Netflix the next day. Right. 
or like the next week or whatever it is, right? Close, yeah. Uh, nothing official yet for Krypton Season 2. It just says it is renewed. Uh, filming hasn't begun. We have a teaser trailer that um, was somewhere, and then it just says sometime late 2019. No definitive date on that. But I'll be there at some point. Mm-hmm. It does say that Lobo is going to be on the show. I know. Sheriff Get your... Lobo. That's right. Uh, Atkins. Rowan Atkins. Was it Rowan Atkins? No. Forget who played Sheriff Lobo. No, Rowan Atkinson was Mr. Bean. That is true. It's. I know he used to do the muffler commercials. Oh, boy, I know about uh, muffler issues. Yes, Amco. Double A. MCO. Yeah, you you were close. Sheriff Sheriff Lobo was Claude Akins. That's it. That's it. Rowan Atkinson, Claude Akins. Really, what's the difference? It is. You know what? I would love to see a, a Mr. Bean, Sheriff Lobo crossover. Mm-hmm. So another thing, of course, just to uh, follow up more. And, you know, it's kind of an ongoing story only because there's... Um, a consistency of a bunch of DC stuff that was solicited that's getting canceled. A lot of older stuff in this one. A lot of Bronze Age reprints of, like, Volume 3s of Omnibuy. Uh, a new reprinting of Long Halloween. And I guess they were doing, like, a Joker collection? Yes. That was going to have the last issue of a Joker series from the 70s that never got published. Right, which was in that DC canceled comic cavalcade. Right. And now it was going to be in this Joker Bronze Age omnibus, but that got canceled too. It'll be back, Joe. Yeah, I don't other, know. Uh, it's, I, I know, I, you know, I know DiDio said that um, they're working on this. But it just seems to be ongoing with these cancellations and reprints, and I don't know. I don't know. It's smooth sailing at DC. Everything they say is coming out, coming out. You know, it's all good. Right. Well, let's get to the big story, Todd. Yeah. The one that typically we have to wait for your stooge report to come in to get the early announcement. This one you were too busy. Oh, and this this includes a retraction as well. I forgot we had to have a retraction with this. That's right. So on last week's show, if you don't follow either of us on social media, uh, I accused Todd of saying that once Doomsday... The reason that Doomsday Clock 9 was late was because they were just fixing some of the art in there, maybe taking out an extra wang or two. Mm Mm-hmm. But 10 was mostly done... And I accused him of saying that 11 and 12 were also mostly done as well. Right. What he actually said was 10 is mostly done and 11 and 12 should easier follow on the two-month schedule. Right. So you completely misquoted me. Right. Completely misquoted you. I kept poor Todd up all night after we recorded last week. And luckily, we'll never have to worry about another delay with Doomsday. Oh, wait a minute. What's this? Issue 10, the mostly done issue 10, is now rolled from the end of April to the first week of May. 
and that's the last time <laughs> it'll ever get delayed, Joe. Now, we were trying to do the math on this at the shop uh, last week, because I didn't have, like, the spreadsheet, but the backup to the spreadsheet I have, of course, is the book, because uh, I can't rely on my mind no more. <laughs> Things are a little cloudy up there these days. Uh, but it was on a regular schedule for the first three issues where it was monthly. And then issue four slipped from monthly to bi-monthly. Issue five was bi-monthly. Issue six was bi-monthly. And then as we got to issues seven and eight, we were now at two months and a week or two months and two weeks. And then now... Uh, from in, if it stays on course of issue nine to issue 10, we're at two and a half months in between issue nine and issue 10. If so you're it saying it stays on the current course. So you're saying there's still a chance that I could win the bet. Right. Cause then what'll happen is issue 12, if it stays in the current course, of two and a half weeks, or two and a half months in between issues, from 9 to 10, 10 to 11, 11 to 12. That means issue 12 should be out in November. Now, granted, that's when the hardcover collection is also solicited to come out. And it wouldn't ship to three months in between issues, Todd. No. Because if it slips to three months in between issues... Then we're rolling into 2020 for that issue 12 to come out. Would just be cr- that would just be crazy, right. Joe. <laughs> How confident in are you in your bet now? In your in in your statement that this will be finished by the end of the calendar year 2019? Um, finished by the calendar year of 2019, or finished for the end of November? Hmm. I think it was because. Just- because I'm not confident about the end of November, right. but I'm sure of by the end of 2019. <laughs> and listen, we rib and we joke and we kid, and you know, obviously, we do take our shots at Marvel as well. And if listen, the moment that it rolls out that War of the Realms has an extra issue and a better ending, and there's shipping delays and everything else like that, they're getting skewered as well, man. But, sure. th- you know, this was the big event. This is DC Universe crossing over with Watchmen and changing the face of Superman forever and all this other jazz. And, you know, it's a book that's 12 issues that might be done in two years, maybe. Give or take a month. Any day. You know what? I'm pretty sure, Joe, that that as this is released, you know, that'll be Wednesday, that that'll be the last of the uh late notices this time i'm sure they're gonna give it the you know the it's coming out kind of a deal so right nothing to worry about listen delay the shipping five times shame on you Mm -hmm. delay the shipping six times well that's that's something to be ashamed of i think that's right so when if i win (laughs) right if i win um, so I figure we were working on the bet. So the bet is either pancakes if Chick-fil-A is open. And if Chick-fil-A is, isn't open, I want to add uh, winner has to uh, – the loser has to buy the winner shrimp fried rice. That's what – that's the other one. Okay. 
So, because I know we we have the whole what we're looking forward to in comics, that's one bet. So now we have three things that we could pay off any of these bets with. Three. We have this, we have uh, what we're looking forward to, and what's the third? No, I mean three things we could pay off with. Uh, Chick-fil-A, uh, pancakes, or shrimp fried rice. Oh, gotcha. So, so we have the- two bets. Three options. The building where the Chick-fil-A is going to be still has the facade and lighting structure up for the previous place that it was, which means Mm -hmm. they haven't even started on the exterior of this place. I have nary to see a construction vehicle there, and I drive by it five days a week. Um, I still think that the Chick-fil-A will be up before this is finished. I was just going to ask, what's going to come first, the Chick-fil-A or Doomsday Clock? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, there are a lot of those, there are a lot of chickens in this Chick-fil-A, and you got to draw each and every one, and they did <laughs> say it was so tough to cook that many chickens. They didn't think it was going to be that difficult of a task, but. That's right. But, you know, their chicken is on a bi-monthly schedule now, so. Right, and they do take Sundays off. Oh, that is true. I wonder if because they're refurbishing a place into a Chick-fil-A that they can't do it on a Sunday. Ooh, that might be. No construction on Sunday. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I'm sure as this episode is hitting your ears in that 24-hour cycle (laughs) of it first coming out, I'm sure you'll be seeing people tweeting at me or Todd or Todd tweeting at me or vice versa once that sixth delay of issue 10 gets announced. That's right. I just hope you don't misquote me anymore, because my my, uh, ringtone editor is getting hot from all the use that I'm using. (sighs) So, conventions this weekend, Todd, and there's conventions all over the world Mm -hmm. this weekend. Wizard World St. Louis. They still Uh, have those? First of all, first of all, they still have Wizard Worlds. Second of all, I figured there would be no conventions this weekend because the greatest event in all of entertainment is happening this weekend as the entirety of the media world descends on New York, or the greater New York area, excuse me, because it's not actually in New York. The greater New York area. (laughs) For WrestleMania, which we'll be discussing at length on uh, At Odds with Wrestling this week. But I think that's why a lot of the smaller shows are happening and a lot of the shows that are happening out of uh, the country as well. It's like, we can't even compete with WrestleMania. Let's leave the country. (laughs) (laughs) But Wizard World St. Louis is taking place this weekend. Uh, Jason Momoa is going to be there. And I know he bears a striking resemblance to Roman Reigns. Let's just hope he doesn't have wet hair there as well. We don't want him taking the task for that. Uh, but also, a big-name guest at St. Louis Wizard World this weekend, Chris Kattan is going to be there. Woo, now that's a get right there, brother. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. Uh, Dallas Comic Show is happening in Dallas, Texas. Colin, Bl- Colin Bunn is going to be there, Dan Brereton, uh, Joe Quinones, uh, artist of the soon-to-be-talked-about-on-this-show Dial H for Heroes is going to be there, the Savannah Comic-Con in Savannah, Georgia, uh, Sean Gordon Murphy is going to be there, the artist of the Batman uh, White, White Knight. Knight, amongst other things, and Greg Sipes is going to be there, voice actor extraordinaire that you would know better as Beast Boy from Teen Titans Go!, that's right. I, I, no, actually, he's the changeling to me. So, Well, they don't call him that on the show, even though there's been a bunch of times where he's done the uh, changeling look. 
But I love me Beast. I love Beastie. He's the best. He's my mm. favorite current uh, cartoon character. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's high praise. He's awesome. Beastie's the best. And uh, Greg Sipes may or may not be like a burnout dude who plays songs on his ukulele to his dog. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, Supernova Comic Con in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, Nick Spencer and Tom Taylor, just some of the notable guests that are going to be there. And then Hero Facts in Belgium. All the way to Belgium, Todd. Uh, Kevin Eastman, Frank Thierry, James Tinney in the fourth, Dan Slott making a rare convention appearance. Uh, I hope those issues of Iron Man and Fantastic Four are in the can before you go jet-setting over to fancy Belgium. I don't know. Who, who'd want a late comic? Who'd let a late comic happen, Joe? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but on the media guest side, Shannon Doherty is going to be there. Ooh. Dolph Lundgren is going to be there. And right. Gaten Matsurazo is going to be there. Oh, Gaten Matsurazo. That is Dustin from Stranger Things. Oh, good for him. Mm-hmm. I noticed the Stranger, the Stranger Things kids are no longer being marketed as, like, a group. They're all doing their own individual things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I know the new season starts up this summer. I don't know if maybe some folks may be getting a little bit too big for their britches. We'll see how the, we'll see how the press junket goes for season three to see how friendly everyone was, is with each other. The trailer literally has, they're not kids anymore. <laughs> they all hate each other in real life. That's right. They all. <laughs> At least none of them are doing, you know, Spectrox. Oh, wait. That's better than the joke I was going to make. Okay. All right. I'm writing that down. <laughs> I can't even, I, even, I wouldn't even say it on After Dark. That's a bad It's okay. You'll say it off, off, off when, the, when the mics aren't hot, which right. we only say good things when the mics are hot. That's right. When we have our Patreon, that'll be released on there and uh, your other remarks from earlier yeah. in the evening. <laughs> that's right. One listener. That's all we need. That's all we need. Digital sales and freebies, Todd. We've got a bunch of digital sales. Now, I want to remark on this. I like what Oni Press is doing. They have a bunch of big sales going on. This is kind of what IDW would do as well, where they would have like a big sale of some sort of grouping of whatever books they have, and they would run the sale for like some crazy long extended period of time. Like they would always do like the Transformers, the Ninja Turtles, and you'd run it for like a month. Well, right. Oni Press has all these different properties. They're doing like a, a general sale on a bunch of stuff. They're doing a sale on their Rick and Morty stuff, and then they're also doing a sale on their Invader Zim stuff. So they're trying to spread things out as much as possible. Okay. Marvel, similarly, is doing two big sales as well, both in regards to War of the Realms. Uh, one, it's like, here's all this, one sale is, here's all the stuff leading up to War of the Realms, and hey, War of the Realms is a big Thor Asgardian epic, here's a separate sale where it's all the past big Asgardian epics. So I am a fan and a sucker for thematic sales, of course, and just like DC is having a thematic sale this weekend to coincide with the Shazam film that's coming out, they're having a sale on all of their Shazam-related titles. And, sadly, they don't have a ton of stuff with Shazam in it, um, you know, that they have the rights to, I guess, or that's <laughs> digitally available, or what have you, because, like, things like Kingdom Come are in it, 
um, a lot of stuff of crossovers uh, with Shazam, but I will say the first three issues of the current Shazam ongoing series are part of the sale, and that's always a good thing because DC does not put the new books on sale anymore. Uh, like, they, like you know, Marvel will do a thing where, like, after, like, six weeks, the new release books kind of drop in price from mm-hmm. cover price, like, a buck off. DC doesn't do that unless they're doing a big sale like they're doing here. So if you're intrigued and want to check out the new Shazam series, the first three issues you can get for the price of one of the regular issues. And there's a bunch of other sales going on uh, as well. Archie's having a sale on their stuff that ends very shortly. Vertigo's having a sale on 100 Bullets and Scalped, both two great series. And Action Lab is still having their sale ongoing on first issues. So that's all we got over there. Let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. I will let you start with Detective Comics number 1000 because I did not read it. Right, which is, this is exactly like the uh, Action Comics 1000 that came out, out not too long ago. It is a plethora of creators. Uh, Jeff Johns and Joe Kelly did a story. Uh, Denny O'Neill and Steve Epting. Uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Kevin Smith and Jim Lee. Paul Dini and Dustin Nguyen. Uh, j- like the, it just keeps going. Christopher Priest. Uh, Neil Adams did a story. And a few of them like jump out that are actually really good. I enjoyed this way more than the uh, action comics one. Um, I think Batman, you know, appeals to the masses a little more than, uh, you know, Superman. But just the two that really stand out in my mind, if you're going to read them, is the Kevin Smith, Jim Lee story, um, where uh, an undercover Batman go, like, you know, he's dressed as, as I don't know, if, I don't think it was Matches Malone, but uh, undercover. And he goes to the Gotham City uh, gift shop, which is a place that has... It, sells for the highest person to the highest person stuff that's used in in high profile Gotham crimes. And you're wondering what Batman would be there for. And when you find out what he's there for and what he's going to do with it, it's really cool. It's one of my favorite uh, Kevin Smith stories that I've ever read. Uh, Another good story is uh, by Denny O'Neill and Steve Epting uh, where Batman's going to Crime Alley on the anniversary of his parents' death, and he's talking to Dr. Leslie Tompkins, who's there, who's, like, saying, like, I, f- I feel for you and what you do, and, I, and it, she, she's getting emotional about it. And these thugs show up and try to take down the bat, and she's, like, worried that he's going to kill them because this is the day he might not have control, and she goes, like, she tries to to pull him out of it. Steve Epting's art and Denny O'Neill, like, Denny O'Neill still has it. He was a writer who was ahead of his time back in the day, so, like, if you get a chance to read that story, it's it's so good. And then finally, just to, like, to, to not go through every story one by one, but Peter Tomasi and Doug Monk have a uh, have a story where they introduce 
a new character, which may or may not have been in the Arkham games. I'm not 100% sure, but by his name, I'm guessing he is. And I haven't played the last one where he may have been in. So I'm interesting to see like what his deal is, if it's the same that's in the book and everything, but they're laying the groundwork for their, their project, uh, their run after issue 1000. So I'm on it. I'm going to still read detective comics. I honestly think if you're look, this is one of those books for nine ninety nine. It's totally worth it. I don't often say that. I don't think the action was worth the complete nine ninety nine, but this one to me had more, truly great stories than it did, you know, like clunkers. Well, that's good to hear. I'm surprised slightly, but not shocked to see Kevin Smith back doing any comic book writing. I I agree, but I don't think you're going to see anything else. I think it's just the fact that he got to have his name in detective comics. 1000. Yeah. I guess that's pretty cool. I mean, it is, it's the, that's the, that was the draw. I don't see him doing like, maybe he does have a Batman story mini in him again, but I think it's like, oh, can you give us, can you give us six pages, eight pages for Detective 1000? Yes, I can. <laughs> you know, so, and he has that, that podcast that's all about Batman. So it kind of works, I guess. I don't know if he still has that. I think he does, but it's he can't call it Fat Man on Batman anymore or something. It's under a different name now. <laughs> I have to check that out because... That, that's what I was... On. I'm not saying that he changed it like DC shut him down, but I thought he did change the name, but it's still kind of about Batman. Yes, uh, it has been retitled Fat Man Beyond. There you go. So Claiming that it was uh, due to uh, Kevin Smith's recent weight loss and not due to uh, lawsuits or otherwise. That's right. Well, you never know. It might be. Right, but he works for DC. He's doing stuff for the uh, CW directing shows and that sort of thing. Right. That's all. He's got a network going. We got a network going. Hey, I forgot to plug the network. I'll get that later. That's right, because you want to get right into what you thought of uh, Dial H for Hero. I do. I want to talk about that, because you said you read it as well. Uh, written mm-hmm. by Sam Humphreys with art by Joe Quinonez. Uh, miniseries, part of the young... What, what is it? Uh The Wonder Comics line. Uh, right. you, know, you got your main book, which is Young Justice... We've got this, uh, Dial H for Hero as a miniseries, Naomi as a miniseries, Wonder Twins as a miniseries. I like the idea, I like the format of what they're doing with this, where you have your one flagship book, and then you put it on a other bunch of books, testing some properties, see what hits, see what doesn't hit, getting some different ideas out there. I like the idea. Right. Uh, if you're not familiar with Dial H for Hero, the concept of such, it is a dial that's just like an old rotary phone. I'm not sure how old or young our fan base is. Maybe you don't know what a rotary phone is. <laughs> but it's like a thing that you spin, and it's got numbers or letters on it or whatever it is. And then on the dial itself, when you dial the letters H-E-R-O, you then become a different hero who is brought in from another dimension, and it's always someone different, and it's always someone new. Uh, you know, there was a time in the past where it was always going to be one of these eight or nine heroes, and then over time, with different concepts and different people that have done the book, it's 
you know, hundreds and hundreds of heroes. Sometimes they get repeated and sometimes they don't. It's really just an excuse for the creative team to just <laughs> put whatever wild and wacky idea they have in a book. You don't have to run a whole concept of it. You don't have to pitch an entire story of it. You get two pages out of it. You get eight pages out of it, whatever it is. Um, our main protagonist of the story, a young boy, Miguel, who ran into some troubles as a young child and was saved by Superman. And since that moment he was saved by Superman, he was trying to recapture that thrill, uh, that rush that he got when Superman whisked him up in the air. And, uh, of course, there's another character in the book who is the local bad girl that his family wants him to stay away from. And during the course of things, of course, he comes into contact with the dial and he gets a little short story as uh, what was the character not truck i want to say truckosaurus but that's not what it was <laughs> i can't remember what it is wasn't it like the, the uh, truck something let me pull up my uh my images here uh from this past week uh but you hear me kind of going on about this book i really liked this book a lot i felt it was fun it was light. It was easy to get into. Uh, so he became Monster Truck. And in his little thing, it just says, but who is Monster Truck? Turn the page for his thrilling secret origin. Mm-hmm. And then he's standing in front of a bunch of trucks, one of which looks strikingly like uh, Optimus Prime. And it's being told as part of his origin, every thousand years, the Earth needs a new eternal champion of trucking. and it's stuff like that that i love about comic books that makes me happy and feel good about myself you know Mm -hmm. but it makes no sense there was no trucking a thousand years i'm only kidding go ahead (laughs) at least not here there wasn't oh that is true and i i said this to somebody else uh online about this that this book is not for me technically this book is not being written or marketed or published for me a 41 a 41 year old white man oh but the best when you make a book that is supposed to be an introductory book to get new readers into your book it should be entertaining and uh engrossing to any and all readers you know uh in the past we've talked about this like an all ages book is kind of looked at as like a kids book and it's not really a kids book it usually is a kids book but if you can make your book accessible to everyone and still make it a good book because usually it's like well once you make something for everyone it's technically for no one this book bucks that system which i would argue that though okay go ahead if you make an all ages thing Mm -hmm. here here, let me put it the best way to you you know what was all ages joe Hmm. up up was all ages. Okay, well, and again, movies, comic books, etc. I think Pixar is kind of marketed a little bit different than... But I, I get what you're saying. But what I'm trying to say is, all ages books, or all ages anything, are marketed literally to all ages, because they want to make it good to not only a child, but adults too, because... If if a ch- if a child's going to read it on their own or a younger person, then they can be entertained. But most likely, it might be something that you or someone may be reading to their kid. So hey, let's make this at least fun for the adult. And I'm not I'm saying uh, all ages doesn't necessarily always hit that. Like you know, Emoji was an all ages movie, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, Emoji right. movie, but it didn't land it. So that's what I'm trying to say. It's just I think when you 
I don't know. I just didn't like the way you were saying like when when it's all ages, it's nothing. Do you know what I mean? I think some well, of the no, best I, stuff because we ages. we say on here a lot, and it's less about all ages, but but it's more so the thought process of when you try to please everyone with whatever you're doing, usually you end up pleasing no one. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. That's where my mindset was going. And, but there's uh, two other things that I want to mention about the book. You read this. What did you think? I enjoyed it. I thought, as you said, it was a light book. I thought it was over like rather quickly. But I will say the whole monster truck segment uh, just cracked me up because like the power that he had rushing through and he's got like diesel coming out of the, the things on his arms, the smoke sacks and everything. I, I, it did crack me up and I like the art change into it, into like a nineties Marvel image kind yes. of a thing. <laughs> just kind of, I made me laugh very hard, uh, at the idea. I'm like, I totally get what you're doing here. And the other thing that I do want to do is eat from a mayo food truck. That's something <laughs> I want to try. Well, mayo is know, disgusting, so you do what you got to do. Well, hey, that's only if you don't clean the mayo traps, Joe. Oh, boy. But, I, yes, I enjoyed it. Oh, and the other thing that popped out at me was um, all the people who, when the dial was activated, had these, like, the the, the, the marks on their head, and it was like, oh, like, it's back, the, the, the dial is back. I'm in my mind, because I'm a comic book fan, I'm like, are these people who have actually had the dial in the past in other comics, or is it, you know, in the in 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 Stan uh, Sam Humphrey's universe, are these people who are involved with and they've never been involved before? I need to know that kind of stuff if that makes any sense, because my OCD in that kind of kind of needs to know. But either way, I'm kind of like Alfred telling Batman that the uh, that the dial has been activated again. I was like, ooh, this has this has this has possibility. So I enjoyed it. And, uh, the Dial H for Hero is is like your thing. This might be the second time I've ever enjoyed. I read it, and I really kind of enjoyed it. So, so uh, you mentioned that, of course. That's one of the two things that I wanted to uh, bring up. Is this book you don't need to have this deep history of the H the hero dial of DC Comics of everything because anything that you need to know is in this book it gets over the importance of the dial by having it trigger a whole bunch of other supporting characters whether you know who these characters are not this dial means something to them I'm sure those characters are going to show up at some point and we'll see what their connection is but the thing that this book does and I think is one of the more important things that's lacking from a lot of DC Comics and has been lacking from a lot of DC Comics, where they kind of get it, but they don't really get it all the way, is getting over the importance of Superman. And we get that in Dial H for Hero, we get that in Naomi. The importance of the greater DC Universe, especially to the the civilian types. The importance of what Superman really means. And I think the Superman books themselves take for granted how important Superman is. So it, it makes me feel good when I read a book like Dial H for Hero or like Naomi that really gets the importance of Superman in the DC Universe. I'll give you that. He, he's the he's the inspiration in the Marvel in the DC Universe. Right, and and like I said, I think a lot of companies take that for like a lot of. Superman stories take that for granted. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know that. You mm -hmm. know that. You know what? Sometimes you got to remind us. 
Sometimes, nope. sometimes you got to show us. And I'm going to say this. When we go into what we're re- looking forward to this week, I'm going to touch on that, on something that has nothing to do with, with the what we're looking forward to exactly. But that I totally get what you're saying. Right. Um, but yeah, this is really good. And like I said, I like the fact that they're doing the miniseries uh, idea. And I wonder which of the miniseries are going to get more if these were just like test concepts. I, I really like, and, and it's crazy because I'm liking the miniseries uh, in the Wonder Comics line more than the actual main book. And I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, I really don't care about Gem World. Okay. And, and when they really like so much of, like, and, and I get where, you know, Bendis is going with this, because there's Gem World stuff that shows up at the end of Naomi as well. Spoiler. And it's a way to bring kind of everything together. But I don't know, man. Gem World is just one of those concepts in DC that I'm just like, nah, I don't know. I don't care. I, I, I get what you're saying, but when New 52 happened, there was a sword and sorcery book. Right, I forget Amethyst, what it was. Princess. Right. Yeah. So good. That was one of my favorite. That only lasted like eight issues and then a special to just like finish it off. But I remember Aaron would press the art and everything. And it was so, that like you just I just think like he's not hitting the right buttons. And I would have never said I was an Amethyst fan. But after that, that short new 52 run, I kind of am like it gives it it gives Gem World some leeway with me, if you know what I mean. Hmm, I guess so. I don't know. I'm still they're still not. And I tried that Amethyst book and it didn't click for me. And it's just there's just something about Gem World that I just can't care about. Right. It's it's the opposite of the Dial H for here. Right. There you go. Perfect. So. Uh, that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you're waiting the six months to a year, depending on what subscription service you're a part of, be forewarned and be forearmed, know what books are coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out every week. Todd is still in the lead with one correct guess, and call it a hunch, I don't think there's going to be much movement this week. Mm-hmm. So I pick, because I went first, I yes. pick first. I'm looking over your books, and is the book you're looking forward to most War of Realms, even though it's War of the Realms? Yeah, War of the Realms. Uh, okay. It, the the branding on that book is all over the place because sometimes it's listed as the War of the Realms, other times it's <laughs> War of the Realms, and then this me grabbing, copying, pasting from the Diamond Order sheet. It's just listed as War of Realms. Right. I'm fixing it now. Good for you. Uh, I also think the book that you were most looking forward to coming out this week is War of the Realms. It is War of the Realms. That is the book I'm looking forward to. But as I was talking about before, I see that you have something on your on your pull list that I used to have on my pull list and is now gone on mine. Okay. And it is Captain America, number mm-hmm. nine. And the same reason that I dropped Captain America is your Superman thing. I think Marvel has misused the importance of Captain America the same way. He's not the same as Superman, the beacon to me, but I, I'm just tired of Marvel 
like we've had the the Hydra cap. Now he's framed for murder. It's like I just want at some point, and I understand things are tough in America. You know, we fight amongst each other. I would just like to see Captain America as the beacon at Marvel just for a little while, just for like, I don't know, three issues in a row. That would be great. <laughs> I get what you're saying. And I feel as though there is a lot of, you know, pulled from today's headline sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But reading the current Captain America book by Tennessee Coates, I feel as though this is the road to rehabbing what happened in Secret Empire with Hydra Cap. Because a lot of the beginning of the book is that Hydra Cap stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is living down and him attempting... You know, knowing that it wasn't him, Steve Rogers, who did it, but it was someone who was wearing his face and wearing his costume, he has to fix it. Now he has this huge roadblock thrown in his way that he gets framed for murder, so now it's like, okay, his main quest, the hero's journey, is now delayed by this other much bigger, equally bigger thing. Excuse me. Uh, And I'm sure at some point, one would have assumed that maybe when the Avengers movie was coming out next month, this would have been resolved. It's not... I'm sure that's what the end game is, pun intended, but I think you were just not willing to stick around for the ride, and I get why you weren't. And I don't, like I said, I don't hate the book. I love the, with the several other books, I love the uh, the Alex Ross covers, mm-hmm. and almost wanted to stick around just to buy the Alex Ross covers. Um, but you, you let me know in issue 24 or 36 <laughs> if Cap is, you know, redeemed. Because I feel that's how long it's going to take. Okay. That so. I don't think it's going to be that long, but let's not add more betting to this show than there are. Oh, I'm not betting. I'm just you know, if you're if you're in it, here's what I'm asking: when they when they make him the hero again, the beacon, tell me and I'll pick up the. Give you a call. Yes. Okay. On your uh, dial H for hero cell phone. Thank you. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff over there. Whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, past poll posts, the 2017 smash sensation, Todd and Joe Have Issues, or go check out our store, where not only can you get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them, right at the top of the page is a link to our new Tee Public store, where you can get... The full color version of the Longbox Heroes shirt. You can get the Todd Who Enthusiast shirt. You can get some at odds with wrestling themed attire. And you can even get a shirt with a fancy logo of the entire soon to be named network printed on it. That's right. I say, who doesn't want, you know, a shirt with me on a big face? Who doesn't want me on their chest, Joe? Who indeed? Right. The person who bought that one from the other place still hasn't sent us the picture of it yet. But I have a feeling they're waiting until this weekend. Call it a hunch. Oh, that's right. Uh, but yeah, definitely let us know. Check out those designs. And now that we have a more dedicated, uh, respectable place that we can have our shirts over at Tee Public, I'm sure more and more designs will be rolling in as we're talking. 
As soon as I bust out my Crayolas, I'm going to make some new ones. That's right. And speaking of the soon-to-be-named network, be sure to check out soon-to-be-named-network.com or soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com, where anytime any of the shows in the soon-to-be-named network go live, they will show up there, as long as I remember to put them up on the site. <laughs> whether it be this show, whether it be Podvocacy, No Wrestling at the Edge of Forever this week, someone forgot to do their homework, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, At Odds with Wrestling, and the bi-monthly smash sensation, Fresher and Parlance. All of those uh, shows are part of the soon-to-be-named network, soon-to-be-named-network.com or soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. But another way that you can help us out is by purchasing things through our Amazon click-through right across the top of the page over at longboxheroes.com. You don't have to do anything else. Click that button. As long as it's not already in your cart, after you click our link, you add it to your cart, we get a couple bucks in the back end. And that's pretty cool, because I like money. (laughs) Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week, Todd. Nothing makes me happier when people go to Amazon and purchase actual books. And two of the books that were purchased this past week was the Joan Rivers Confidential. More of a scrapbook and kind of history of Joan's life with candid photos and a lot of replications of the uh, jokes that she would write down in note cards. Did you see that Joan Rivers documentary from a couple years ago before she passed? No, I did not. I think it still might be on Netflix. I highly recommend it. Just to show, even at her advanced age, after Joan was kind of established as, you know, whatever she was, cultural icon, comedian, etc., how she was still hustling, still working, still out there busting her butt, trying to fix those jokes and make those jokes work and everything else like that. It was, it was somewhat inspiring to a lazy man like me. That's right. Somebody also purchased the book entitled Who Killed the Fawns? Nobody killed the fawns. All right. Not unlike the Grimace, nothing could destroy the fawns. Uh, some, someone also purchased, and again, I think it's just a book about how um, the things in the 80s kind of changed what Happy Days was all about, so the show kind of couldn't go on any longer. But uh, I'm sure that's an interesting read. Uh, somebody also purchased light up shoelaces with three flashing mode lights for night party, hip hop dancing, <laughs> cycling, hiking, skating, or running. Now, would that be for cycling on or off? I don't know. Well, <laughs> these days it's off because it's you okay. Know, they're gonna test her in the season. Just call it on. <laughs> Unrelated, somebody also purchased a World Wrestling Entertainment SmackDown Live main event ring that comes with a Jinder Mahal action figure. Oh. Not part of the script. That's a thing that really happened. <laughs> somebody also purchased futuristic shield sunglasses in a yellow rainbow. Ooh. So thank you, everyone, for any and all of the purchases that you made through our Amazon click-through this past week. Uh, February was down a little bit, but March was right back up to where it needed to be. Yay. To make Todd happy. And that's really all the reason I do this show for, is just to make Todd happy. Oh, you listen boy. to this show to make Todd happy. Don't don't act like you don't. That's right. My happiness is everybody's concern. Right. Speaking of things that also make you happy, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we had an, we had a couple, but we had a very interesting art attack because apparently we have ants on this show. Green ones, in fact. Hey, I know um, that guy. Green Ant sent in, well, he didn't send in so much as you made sure it got 
uh, shrifted over to the art <laughs> attack. Um, he had a mask made, and this is what he says. My final mask-making March mask is complete. My first non-stretch mask came with some challenges, but learning was the goal for this week. Support your local comic shop or Comic Zen PA. They're great. And listen to Longbox Heroes, as you should, for some great superhero discussion. And he had a mask with a bunch of like comic covers. It looked like uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Um, that's very cool. I don't know. And I'm asking legitimately, I'm not being the jerk that I can be, that I'm guessing a non-stretch mask is because it's laced up? Uh, well, any of the masks are going to be uh, laced up, like okay. you see in the pictures that he tweeted out. Usually uh, when he, and I say he, Green Ant, of course, works at uh, the foot of Kate and Ophidian, who do a lot of the costuming and mask work for Chikar and amongst the other promotions. They use like a Lycra spandex almost mm-hmm. when making a lot of the gear, making a lot of the masks and things like that. Usually for wristbands, armbands, kick pads, boot covers, things like that, they'll go to a thicker material. Uh, but as part of, I guess, his apprenticeship with them, they're working on making masks of some different types, uh, using different types of material to see what can work, what doesn't work. And uh, this, of course, just being a test with that material that, uh, you know, you can get it like a Joanne fabric type thing. I know uh, my kid has blankets made of that similar material with everything from Pokemon to Hot Wheels to Superman on them. Uh, hmm. You know, Green Ant being a good man who likes Spider-Man, Marvel Comics, etc. gave this a try. And uh, he did say that the he did tell me when I asked him that the stretchiness, the lack of stretchiness of this material did not make it conducive to long wear. Maybe for like a show mask when you're not doing a whole bunch of actual wrestling. Okay. Uh, but he, if you go check out his Tumblr, actually, he puts over on his Tumblr and his Instagram uh, two things that, you know, especially Instagram I'm not a fan of. But he's put up the process of a lot of the other masks that he's made. Uh, he's done, like, Christmas designs, Halloween designs with different prints of not only his mask, but other people's masks as well. Uh, Green Ant does a lot of good work for a young man who's barely two years in the wrestling business. Hmm. And he's, a, and he's a good guy. I like him a lot. Good luck this weekend, partner. Interesting. Um, and also, I'm going to combine Mayan and also uh, T-Bolt 712 into one. Um, I got a da- uh, Dan, uh, Mike Diodato uh, Jonah Hex head sketch, and T-Bolt 712 got a Spider-Man half a face mashup with half a Green Goblin face from Mike Diodato. And the whole thing came with a hardcover that Mike had uh, done a book years ago with his father, um, and they decided to make a hardcover of it and add some stuff, apparently. And as a thank you to fans, um, if you bought the book, he did you he signed it for free and did a head sketch for you. Um, well, apparently, uh, T-Bolts informed me about it because he had put it on his on Mike's pronouns, pal, uh, Mike's uh, <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> And it was in Portuguese. And uh, T-Bolts uh, translated and figured out what it was. And he's like, hey, I know you always wanted a uh, Mike Diodato sketch. This is a good way to do it. So he ended up contacting. Uh, he has in his things, he thanks Mike and 
Paloma, who is his, I don't know if, if she's his rep, but she was the one who was handling all this. So you had to email her and she had to figure out what the, the, the rate was to America and stuff like that. So, and there was also all translating because, you know, they speak Portuguese. I don't know if Mike speaks English. I, I never met him. So there was uh, a lot of going back and forth. The hardcover is, is gorgeous, but also in Portuguese. So I can't read it. <laughs> but it, it is beautiful, though I did have someone I know, sh- I showed it to someone, and they said, I know a very um, uh, easy-on-the-eyes uh, woman who speaks Portuguese, and maybe I, I'm going to ask her if I could g- get her to read it to you. I said, that is an option. I'm up for that. But uh, so in that, I ended up going with the Jonah Hex, and I know T-Bolt told me that he asked for either, you know how they do the, the Spider-Man, Peter Barker, you know, uh, Spider-Sense half-face, you know what I mean? It's half-Peters, yes. half... He, he wanted that, or he wanted the Green Goblin, and I guess apparently Mike was like, you know what, well, I think it'd be really cool. How about I do you half Spider-Man, half Green Goblin? And he was like, okay, if that's what you really want to do, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not in a bad way, like, you're the artist, like, usually... That kind of stuff turns out better, if you know what I mean, because it's the artist's idea. And my take on it was I was either going to get a Jonah Hex or a Doctor Doom, because he did the uh, Dark Avengers. And all I ever saw was what a Western fan Mike Diodato is of, like, Western comics. And I'm like, I want that Doctor Doom, but I'm going to go with the Jonah. And the Jonah that he put out, I I love. Him with the cigarette. Uh, with the, cig- the the cigarello with the smoke and everything, I think he did a fantastic job. And in the end, he ended up putting a lot of what he drew up on YouTube. So I actually have up there too the video of him drawing it. And I actually like because I think the cigarette is an afterthought. I really don't think it was just a line that he added. Um, but it was really cool to have a copy of him drawing the Jonah Hex thing. I, I, I'm I'm in love with this piece. And it's the first piece of 2019 for me. And I think I, like, knocked it over the fence, Joe. Right. I think both you and uh, T-Bolt there did get very good uh, sketches from Mike Diodato, who, you know, we had talked about is a master. And I think he does have a tertiary uh, knowledge of English because when he had tweeted out his kind of exit thing that we had talked about from Marvel a couple weeks ago, uh, that doesn't look like it was done, like, say, through, like, a Google Translate sort of thing. Right. Uh, either way, uh, I, I definitely think you guys both got really good pieces. I'm torn between which of the pieces is better, but I will say this. When I do break into T-Bolt's house and steal a bunch of art, that's one he can keep. Oh, I think I won that round. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, and I'm, ju- I'm not saying that, you know, Mike can't, but you never know when he was leaving, like, if he was leaving, he might have had somebody at, like, Dark Horse write that for him, too. You gotcha. know, like, here's everything I want in here. If he doesn't, I don't know. I hope to meet him, because he just did Emerald City Comic Con. He's he's really pushing that, uh, his new Barbarian project. So, um, hopefully, like, if I go to New York or whatever, I'll get to meet him. And uh, we'll see, you know? Yes, indeed. So I think that's everything before we get into TV talk, right? Yeah, I do believe that's uh, everything but uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Yep. So if you didn't see Legends of Tomorrow this past week or, you know, just this past Monday, the 
uh, show returned mid-season uh, for season four. We bid you adieu. Thanks for listening. Episode 444 of Longbox Heroes. And we'll give you like a second or two to hit the bricks here. So uh, as I was watching this on Monday, uh, everybody in the house is getting ready for bed. And my wife's like, oh, what are you, what are you watching? It's Monday night, usually Monday Night Raw. <laughs> and I go, oh, I got to watch Legends tomorrow. Uh, new, new episode was on tonight. And she just goes, oh, they're still making that. And just left. <laughs> <laughs> Yowza! <laughs> so the legend of how good this show is uh, knows no bounds. Mm-hmm. So we pick up from where we left off in the middle of the season, of course, uh, with them, the legends, wheeling in the <laughs> evil puppet, who we're not two minutes into the show, and what the puppet says... Bite my fuzzy dong, you dick. <laughs> yep. So it's like, all right, we're setting the, we're setting the course uh, for pun, I guess. Here, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, we see that footage has been doctored to show that uh, what's her face, uh, Mona, allowed the Wolfman guy to escape, but we know that it was like the Men in Black type guys. Mm-hmm. That really did it. And now we have the mystery of Sarah attempting to convince Ava that the Bureau is in on the scheme and what they're doing to the monsters. While the rest of the legends go to 1961 Mexico to find the leg- find the Wolfman who is posing as a luchador taking away the uh, valor of their Santo stand-in, who John Constantine knows his entire filmography of. Yes. Um, the one thing that they could do to make me not like Legends of Tomorrow. But um, I, I enjoy this. As you're saying, the Wolfman, I actually know what they call, what, what the mythic, mythical beast they call him is. And it kept throwing me off because I kept thinking of medical insurance yes because his his name is a copay yes and, and that's all i can think of they were like well we have copay and i'm like why are they talking about his, you know their their health insurance <laughs> and it's just the that thing just kept i'm like wow no okay but uh overall i thought this was a really good episode i thought it was fun um the wrestling stuff i was like oh goody we're gonna get to see some wrestling stuff but i have to admit as it went on and the as uh the the legends were you know trying to save time and then uh what's sarah's girlfriend's name ava ava i could think ava sends it sends in the time bureau to to fix things and they end up having a, a giant fight and it's going on and then uh the the lucha libre ends up uh you know instead of it's a loser leave town unmasked blah 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 thing um in the end they end up fighting together and i when he put his hand out i actually thought that was kind of cool it was like it's a good way to uh to to say it. though i do have to say the copay works very stiff joe Right, well, that's the thing. You know, uh, the Santos stand-in was kind of letting us know that this whole thing is a show and that it's a work without coming right out and saying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, Copay <laughs> was uh, it was a shoot, brother. That's right. He didn't want to get rolled up, dude. You'll never see the Copay doing the worker handshake. That's right. 
But I, you know what? I liked it. I thought, uh, you know, the whole thing with Nate's father and they're starting to realize that that's going on. And I was actually sad to see Ava and Sarah have some trouble over all of this. You know what I mean? I thought some of that stuff with them, which normally I hate when somebody's like, you didn't have my back, but like I have proof of why I did and they fight. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you didn't back me up. Well, here's the footage of why I didn't back you up because somebody's, a, you know, in the time bureau is a bad guy and I don't know who we could trust and I didn't want you to, you know, stooge it off to them. And she's like, oh, well, I just needed you to have my back that one time. And you're like, that kind of stuff aggravates me in, in shows because people should just go like, yeah, you were right. But between Sarah and Ava, like they had some really good interactions. So it worked for me. If you know what I mean? Like I was like, Oh, I'm sad. They're not, they're fighting. Uh, but I, all in all, I liked the episode. And then we ended up seeing that John's ex-boyfriend who's hooked, uh, connected to Neron was at the, uh, charity event that Nate's father was throwing. So we're starting to see him show up again. Right, so Legend of Tomorrow is back. There was a heavy wrestling theme to the show. It was just okay. I didn't love it. It wasn't a great episode. I felt all the pieces were there, and I might have hyped it up too much in my mind. Mm -hmm. Too much excitement going into the return of this with the wrestling theme. Uh, it was just okay. Kind of a uh, little bit of a whimper to start the season, but it's no way that I'm like, oh, well, I'm done with the show. It's like, no, it's Legend of Tomorrow. They're going to pick it up. I got I got faith in the Legends. I do, too. Also, Mona ends up because they kill the copay. It looks like she takes on his powers. Right, and some phenomenal special effects and wig work. They right. They save all for the end. That's, that's right. But I'm with you on it was an okay episode. Um, but... Uh, Coming off that two-part mid-season finale, they could have had, you know, they could have had Shakespeare write this, and you're not gonna, you're not gonna top, you know, Puppets of Tomorrow and the Chroniclers of the Chronology. Like, you're just not topping that. But I want, you know, I know we can get back there. I, I don't feel that this episode was goofy enough, if that makes any sense. I want my goofy uh, legends. So I do like uh, Mick discuss using his novel to explain why Mona and the copay shouldn't be together. I want a whole episode where like that gets made into a movie or something. Like we need to see that novel play. <laughs> oh, and the book gets optioned and the, yes. like, because Mona's a fan of the book series. Right. And obviously, uh, Mick has intimate knowledge of the characters and the motivations and what's going to happen in the future of the story that he stooges off. They're going to help move the plot along a little bit. And how does he know this information? Uh, and there are some of the legends that know it is him as the writer of this, but not everyone. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for the episode when it is the world that knows that it's really Mick. Mm -hmm. Or even, like, and then he has to go, because the movie, the book gets optioned into a movie, uh, whether it be a la Harry Potter or Fifty Shades of Grey or what have you. And then either Mick has to out himself as the real writer of the book, or in Legends tradition, it's Mick in drag, because it's a woman who writes the books, right? <laughs> oh, Mick with a wig on, a long flowing wig. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire, but Mick Rory. Oh, Mrs. Mick Rory Fire. No. <laughs> but, uh, and I like when Brandon Routh, uh, Ray, was trying to petition 
um, uh, the to be the captain in charge when Sarah's off the thing, and he gives her the the petition that everybody signed, and she's like, "It looks like you scratched out some of Mick's name." I pa- did you see what it said? Yes, that uh, was fantastic. It was go scratched out, scratched out uh, haircut. I was like, "Oh my goodness, that's fantastic!" And also to teach. Um... Uh, who was it? Amaya and Constantine, some of the things for out in the field where he made like a cards against humanity type game for them to learn about all the previous adventures. Yes, we need that as an actual game. <laughs> so again, you know, we're having fun. We're laughing. It's Legends of Tomorrow. I'm glad it's back. But like I said, Todd, Todd said it perfectly. The mid-season two-parter was a slam dunk of a home run. <laughs> Right. And to follow that with anything, even four months of a break and then a return, it still isn't tough act to follow. I think starting with uh, the evil possessed Professor Stein puppet hurt it because immediately it brought you to your mind went back to that. Do you know what I mean? It was like, here's a complete reminder of what we did in the last episode. But yeah, so I agree with your overall statement, too. Oh, and I didn't realize this uh, until I saw the credits, because I wanted to see if they had credited who some of the stunt acting performers were for the wrestling stuff. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the guy who played their Santos stand-in was like a, a barrel-chested sort of, <laughs> you know, portlier gent. But mm-hmm. when he was in there taking his lucha bumps, it was definitely not the same guy. <laughs> what?! Excuse me. And I was hoping that some of those folks would have been credited so I see if I recognize any of the names. But I noticed the voice of the demon that possessed the puppet was Paul Rubens. I don't know if that was what it was last season. Excuse me. Mm. Are you oh, dying? Hipping, hip, yeah, hipping fabulous moolah over here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's who the voice of it was uh, last episode. I would assume that it was. But he got, like, first billing in the credits. Oh wow! Yeah, and are you saying uh, the the actor who played the the lucha libre, the Santos knockoff, as you're saying, um, are you saying that actor didn't do the lunar pepper in the episode? No. Okay, good because I was worried. No, he certainly he stood on the top rope and they did get a close up of his face, but <laughs> the actual physicality of it was not him. I don't know. I think it was. I personally, in my world, it was. <laughs> oh, boy. But yes, I'm I'm glad Legends are back. Uh, I don't know when Flash comes back, but I know Cloak and Dagger starts up this week. Oh, it does? We have a... So we have that. We have uh, another episode of Legends of Tomorrow. And I want to say Flash comes back April 4th. 14th, 15th, or something like that. I saw a trailer for. Would be it must be the 15th. That'd be two weeks. Uh, Tuesday. Right. Don't hold me to that, but that's that's what we got. So, and then maybe next week we'll have Shazam. Yeah, if you listen to uh, After Dark <laughs> this week, you you'll hear about the uh, the devilish time that I'm having trying to schedule that to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, April 16th, yeah, so it's back in two weeks. Okay, I knew it was around tax time. All right, so I think that's the end of the show. I do, too. All right. A nice felt show. Mm -hmm. Lean, if you will. 
as I said over this weekend, and you'll see her about it in the after dark, um, a regular slender read of a show. <laughs> oh my goodness. So for, uh, closing out episode 444 of Logbox Heroes for Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop!